for that for last week or two weeks ago when we talked about Cain. Today we're going to talk about Balaam. And Balaam is kind of a unique dude in the Bible. He is, you know, people can't figure out, you know, what he is. And so we're going to look at him a little bit more closer. And so let's go ahead and we, you're in the book of Jude and I'm going to go ahead and read 1 down to 11 and then we'll get into the lesson. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now at the beginning of the, of the, of, uh, the series, I really pointed out, and I'm not going to be dogmatic, but I really believe that this Jude and this James that they're talking about are actual brothers, brothers who were actual apostles. So when we go back and look at the list of those twelve apostles, you will find a set of you find two sets of brothers, and one of them is Jude and James. Okay, and so Jude, the servant of Jesus, and I make a big point out of that, and here's why: I make a big point out of that because Jude and James are written with a Hebrew mindset, and they're really written to uh, a Hebrew group of people. And so, for that concept to hit, it would have to be, I believe, before um, Paul writes to the church. And so, you see more a Hebrew mentality in those books and things that are in those books that don't literally apply to us in the church age. And we'll find that a little later on in the book of Jude. Uh, and one of my things is the book of James, it says a clue is it's written to the Hebrews or the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And I'm like, uh, well, I don't know about you, but I, I, my mother claimed to have a little Indian in her, so I might be of a certain tribe. But the rest, of, the rest of us are not from a tribe, right? And so that's a Jewish mindset, a Jewish book. So uh, again, so this what I believe was an early book written between Christ's resurrection and the Paul and Paul's epistles to the churches. So, Hebrews. so Hebrews is in the mix, also. So after the Pauline epistles, it really starts heading back towards the Jews. And so this fits right in place. That's why we have it in the order that it is. So Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Okay? Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now again, what does contend mean? Strive. To fight. You know, there's those boxers fighting. One contender versus the other contender. And yet, as a Christian, we, we are in a fight. We are in a battle with Satan. but And we may have to contend for the faith. But most of the time in the Pauline epistles, we see that we are to keep. God's words. And it's not so much contend for it, but again, as I said, if you're living in the tribulation, you will be having to contend for the faith because your eternal soul will depend on it. So, um, verse 4. For there are certain men who crept in unawares who were before of old ordained of this condemnation 
ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire, Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally is brute beast, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. And woe unto them, for they have ran greedily after they are of Balaam for reward. And woe unto them, for they have and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. And as I'm looking through this, these guys have done all three. Not just one of them. He's putting them all in there and he's saying woe unto these people. And so we went back and we looked at Cain a couple weeks ago and we looked at Cain and Cain is not just this uh, little choir boy that goes to church every Sunday. He brings the wrong sacrifice. He was a rebellious man who had an attitude that when he brought the sacrifice to God, he didn't bring what God had required. He brought his own and he basically threw it in God's face and says, this is the best I got. You need to take this. And God says, no. You cannot come to me except through a blood sacrifice, not by works. And so he told him, just go get the right one. That's what blows my mind. But that tells me just how rebellious Cain was because he was already rebellious and he stayed rebellious because he still rebelled against God and didn't bring the right sacrifice. Even though God gave him the opportunity. And God gave him the opportunity face to face. I mean, he was meeting with God at that point at the altar. And we talked about that. There was an altar, there was a place, and there was a specific sacrifice. And he knew it. And he rebelled against all of it. And then he went out and killed Abel. And we go back and look at the story. Cain was the oldest in the, oldest in the Hebrew uh, um, lifestyle, was the oldest got all the blessings from the family. Well, unless something happened... Or unless the, the oldest did something wrong and sometimes that birthright went to this, the next one. And so he realized that he lost the blessing from God and it was going to go to Abel and he wasn't going to allow that to happen. Not only was he not going to allow it to happen, he wasn't going to let Abel be over him. So he goes out and kills him. I tell you, the guy was rebellious all the way through. I mean, he was flat out evil. So we studied him, but we're going to look at Balaam and we're going to see if he's any better. Okay? Because when we read the story, now here's, here's the thing with Cain. We could pretty well nail him down in about half a chapter in Genesis. But when it comes to Balaam, 
There's like three chapters. We could probably do a whole series just on talking about Balaam. So we're going to try to condense it. And we're going to look at a few things today. So uh, you have a blank there. It says, Woe unto them, for they have gone, these evil men, these creeps, these these filthy dreamers, they have gone in the way of Cain and Amaran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Now, at the very two or three weeks ago, I talked about there is the, a way of Balaam, there is an error of Balaam, and there is a doctrine of Balaam, all specified in the Bible, but you have to go through it and study it out and look at different places to find that. Okay, so we're not going to necessarily look at that today, but we will before we're done. So we've had three examples of these ungodly men back in verses 5 through 7. One of them was Israel, the Israelites who saw everything that God did for them and yet disbelieved God and God destroyed them because they were wandering in the desert for 40 years till they died off. That's one group. The angels that didn't keep their first estate and then Sodom and Gomorrah and specifically their destruction. It was a group of three. Now we're looking at another group of three and we're looking at their ways and they really tie together. And so we're, we've already looked at Cain and now we're going to look at Balaam. And what we're, what I haven't really discussed is, is, is the way that these three people act. It gets infiltrated into man's religion and, and then it gets enforced in, in what I would say false religion. Okay. And so we're going to look at the way the story of Balaam. So go back in your Bible to to uh, Numbers 22. And again, it's going to take a little bit of time to go through this. We won't get through it all today. Um, and so um, chapter 22 of Numbers says, "And the children of Israel set forward, and they pitched in the plains of Moab, on this side of Jordan, by Jericho." And Balak, the son of Zippor, I don't know, maybe Zippor, but I kind of like Zippor. Zippor saw all that Israel had done unto the Amorites. And Moab was so afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. Now let me stop and set the stage here. When is this taking place? What is the context? What's well, after the plagues of Egypt? You know, you saw the movie with Charlton Heston and all those plagues. It's after that. Okay? It's after they crossed the Red Sea. Okay? It's after God gave Israel the Ten Commandments and, and Charlton Heston broke, the, I mean, uh, Moses broke the tablets. Okay? It's after that. It's after the tabernacle was built and put together. Okay? It's after the order of the priesthood was set up. It's after Leviticus where the law was given. It's after when God gave them the sacrifices. It's after uh, the people uh, were numbered and the Lord... Let me see if I can read my notes. And it's after the Lord sent out spies, or Moses sent out spies to go into the land and then came back and gave an evil report. And because of that, God did not let them go in for their... Uh, misbelief, which we just read here uh, back in, in Jude. And it's after the wandering in the wilderness. It's at, Well, it's after and during that. It's after Korah's mistake of tempting, uh, of, of tempting Moses, which we're going to read about later. It's after the Israelites uh, complained and murmured against Moses ten times. And it's 
right before. So it's after all that. And it's right before they get to go into the promised land. The story of, of, of Balaam pops up. So, how many years did they wander in the wilderness? Forty years. This is during the 40th year that Balaam's story pops up. So, I mean, they are, word I just read, they are in the plains of Moab, right next to the Jordan River. And guess what's just across the Jordan River from them? Jericho. Jericho. So, we are in the Not the 39th year, the 40th year, and almost the 10th month. I mean, we are that close. I mean, the the Israelites are are just, you know, across the river from going into the land. They had to go around uh, the Edomites. They had to go around the Moabites. And they got to the the Amorites, yes, in the story in chapter 21. And... They wouldn't let them go through the land and God would not allow the Israelites to, to go up and fight the Edomites. He said, you got to go around their land. He said, you can't go through, through the... They asked the Moabites and they said, no, you can't go through our land. And God says, go around them. And they got up to where the Amalekites were at and the Amalekites was the straight shot from the wilderness that they're at on the east side to the plains of Moab to, the, to Jericho. So they didn't have anywhere else to keep going. This this was it. They had one around the east side, and so God is getting ready to bring them across. And the reason that they God allowed them to go against the Amorites was not only it was their people group, uh, but also because this was this was it. This was their way to get into Jordan or into Israel, cross the Jordan from the east side. I've told some of you guys before years ago. I sat, my wife and I went to a, a uh, American Baptist church, and the pastor was a young guy. And uh, we sat in his Sunday school class for a while, and we were talking about this. And I had, and I'm, you know, I'm a bonehead. I go, hey, I got a question. How did they cross the Jordan River from what side to what side? And I mean, I was green. I didn't know anything. And the pastor didn't have a clue. And the people didn't have a clue. And they looked at me like, what kind of an egghead would even ask a question like that? But I'm a history guy. I'm the, I'm the guy looking at the maps at the back. I want to see how they do this. Okay? And so even, I'm, even Paul's journeys, I mean, he's, he's doing all his journeys. I'm getting them, you're going through Acts, I'm getting my maps out. And go, okay, that's where that was. That's where, I want to see it. Okay? Did you leave the church after? Yes, after a while, but it took us a while. Uh, yeah, I was in that church for three years. They got us teaching kids. They, it was, a, but then I started watching. I wasn't seeing people get saved, and Carrie and I were looking at things, and we're like, you know what? We have made friends here. We're, we we were, we were teaching in this church, uh, but you know what? It's not right. And so, guess what? After three years, we found another church in a different city, and I'm like, but a lot of people won't do that. They're like, well, I'm here. I've got friends. You know, I, you know, I go out and eat with my friends after lunch and I mean, after Sunday <laughs> and they get tied in, but they won't leave if it's, if God shows them it's wrong. And, and you got to be willing to do that. Either that or I'm just hard headed too. But, but, um, but yeah, I'm like, and that's always bothered me. I'm like, you couldn't answer a simple question like that? And I should have been able to figure that out myself, but oh well. So that's where this story is getting ready to take place. They are that close from getting into the land. Now, who wants them to get into the land? God does. 
He promised them the land. And think about that in this story because God has them that close. Forty years are over, and I mean their time is short to get into that land. And if, if it doesn't happen, then God didn't fulfill His promise. He told them they'd wander 40 years. If that didn't happen, he, that would have been a, a lie too. So God's promises are at stake here when this story takes place. Okay, So um, there's no accident that Balaam shows up and Balak at this point because somebody does not want them to get into the land. Okay. So now we'll pick up the story. But but uh, what we're going to look at today, and it's nothing fantastic. I just threw this out. Number one on your handouts is the story of Balaam. And it's Numbers chapters 22 to 24. And then we're going to look at the first proposition that, that Balaam gets from Balak. We're going to look at his answer. We're going to look at the second proposition that he has. And we're going to look at his journey going to... Uh, uh, to meet up with the king of Moab and we're going to look at the meeting and we're not going to get through even all of that today and there's just so much there but that's kind of what's going on but I want you guys today how many of you have ever watched the, uh, uh, Columbo on TV? Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of like those I like anything that's a murder mystery because I'm kind of sick and twisted you know? No, I want to You've got to see the details, right? You've got to get the details right. And so it's the same way of studying the Bible. You've got to look at the words. You've got to look at the details. You've got to compare Scripture with Scripture. You've got to do your homework. You've got to study it out. And God will give you the truth if you search for it. That's what's so interesting. God just doesn't give it to us. And when Brian's up there and he preaches for... How long does he preach for? Three hours? Four hours? <laughs> This is on tape. I'm wanting to, uh, but yeah, I better back up. Take that off the tape. Uh, Brianna tapes these, types these up. I'm gonna have to be nice to her. Take that out, Brianna. Uh, Where do you think he gets all that info? By studying it out, you know. And I I heard a pastor tell us once, and he goes, "Now you will only preach about ten percent of what you know." And I'm like, well, I must not know much because I'm pretty quick. And I'm like, I try to teach everything I know, but and I still don't have a lot of time. And that's why I even put handouts with big letters. You know, it takes up a lot more space. Plus, I can't read the smaller ones. That's what it is. So we're going to look at the story. I'm going to use you guys, and I want you. Guys, we're going to just go through this slowly. The mindset is they're getting ready to get into the land. The mindset is there's a problem with these guys. And what are they trying to do? And we're going to look at Balaam and we're going to try to figure out is, and Balaam, Balaam and Balak. We're going to look at them. Are they good guys or bad guys? And why do we see that? So if you see something when we're reading through this, you stop and let me know because I'm going to let you guys help teach the story today, okay? Okay, 22 of Numbers says, And the children of Israel, read it again, set forward and they pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, Zipper, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites and Moab was sore afraid of the people. Now, wait a minute. Who's Moab? The people. It's the Moabites. 
So the whole country is upset about this. Okay? And Moab, the country of Moab, the, the people of Moab were so afraid of the people, the Israelites, because they were many, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And so the whole country is going, Hey, um, this this new group that's coming through, they are bad news. We have got, we are deathly afraid of them. They're just going to take over. Okay. And uh, and Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. So not only is the people are the people upset and afraid, the king's upset. Verse 5, And he sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people. Now, that nailed it down, didn't it? We know where he's from. Uh, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth and they bite over against me. Now let me stop right there for a minute. So he gets on the phone and he calls, or they send for this guy Balaam, son of Beor, and he happens to be living in Pethor. Well, Pethor is a city of the east, and when you go through the cross-references, and I'm not going to do that for sake of time, you'll find out that it's in the Mesopotamian region. Well, that's a hall. So we're talking southeast side of where Israel land is, all the way back where Abraham came from. That's where this guy's from. Where is it? I was thinking it was close to 800 miles, if I remember correctly, when Abraham came. So we also know that when Abraham sent back to the land to get a bride for. Uh, Isaac, he sends them back up there to, to Nahor. So there are still some people there that are uh, worshiping God. And so apparently this Balaam somehow is in this group. Okay? And so he goes, they send all the way up there. Now that would take several months to get there also. That'd take two or three months probably to, to get that far because they didn't have, you know, they didn't have a fast moped like Shane Watts has. I asked Shane Shane yesterday at the men's conference way up in Excelsior Springs he was there I go was it cold getting up here on that on that moped (laughs) Uh, now can you I mean even that would be a plus can you imagine riding you know riding on a camel or something wagon or horse 800 miles, you know. So so that's where this guy uh, Balaam lives. He is a Midianite prophet. So that's a connection. There's a connection between him and the Midianites that live in Moab. Okay? And so his name, Balaam, his name means Lord of the people. Right away, I'm like, ooh. I don't know if I'd like that name, you know. The one who lords over the people. Um, but he's from the Mesopotamian area. Now he is uh, the Midianites, which I believe Balaam is a part of. He is from 
Esau, he's an Edomite living in Mesopotamia, which is kind of weird too, because the Edomites are from the south. Again, so there's a connection between the Mesopotamian area and these people down here. Okay, so I'm giving you a little things in here. So they send some men up there, and let's see what they say. Verse six. Well, let's go back. He says, "Behold, when they got, uh, he's well. I'm sorry. Let's start with verse six again. He goes, "Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Preadventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and who he whom thou cursest is cursed." And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian together departed with the rewards of divination, and I don't really like that, in their hand, and they came unto Balaam, and they spake unto him the words of Balak. Now, Balak sends for this guy Balaam, and he says, I need you to come to me because there's a group of people come out of Egypt. Okay, and they cover the land. Had had Balaam not heard of what God had done to the Hebrews by bringing them out of the land of, of Egypt? I'm, I'm thinking through this in my mind. All the people in Jericho knew. All the people that they fought against have known. So what makes you think that, that, that this uh, uh, Balaam didn't know? And he's supposed to be connected with God, so... Uh, how tight was he with the Lord? So they send the people up to him and, and they basically want them to smite the people. Now when you see that in the Bible, I, I look at the word smite as, you know, run a sword through them. That's not always the case. Sometimes it's, it's, it's more like, you know, just beat them up a little bit and send them home. But it's, it's definitely, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have a rumble. With them, okay, and then we'll, I want I want you to come down here, and and I want you to curse these people, and I want you to have a uh, help us to have a rumble with these, fight these people, smite these people, and at the very least push them out of the land. You think that's what he asked him? No, he goes. I want you to come down and help me to curse these people so we can wipe them out. Satan didn't just want to push them out. He wanted to kill him. So you're looking at this. And, and so he says, I want you to come down here. I want, I want to smite the people. I want you to curse the people. And then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, now wait a minute. I thought these people were God's people that came out of Egypt. And what did God tell them back in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 with Abraham? He told Abraham, I'll bless those that bless thee and I'll curse those that curse thee. Do you think they did not catch that with Nahor and that group? Uh, I, in the back of my mind, I'm wondering. I think they're looking at numbers. He's afraid. They're not paying any attention to what God told Israel. They're looking at the number of people out there. Look, they cover the face of the earth. They're intimidated. Right. It's the same reaction that Pharaoh had. Okay, so I see that, but again, I'm thinking. Here's my one. Here's my one point. Number one, everybody knows what 
everybody, I believe, in the world at that point knew what God had done with Israel, bring them out of Egypt. Okay, we knew that. And I'm saying Balaam had to have known that too. Did Balaam know that God had blessed these people and said, if you curse them, I'll curse them? I don't know. But, uh, and, and here's another question, Roger. So they had went around Moab and they'd come through the north side. Now it did say they're down in the valley that may have belonged to Moabite, to the Moabites, but I'm sitting here thinking they have no intention on, on fighting the Moabites at this point, the Israelites. Their intention is getting ready to cross over to Israel. If they would have just backed off and let and wait and let these people go, there would have been no need to have a fight. They're just passing through the land. But yet, somebody behind them wants to destroy Israel and, and, and antagonizes the situation. Okay, So, uh, the proposition was come, help me to smite these people, help me to push them out of the land and curse them. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so let's look at his answer, because I, because the part we're trying to look at here, okay, so is, is, we already know that, that, that Balak is, is he a good guy or bad guy? Bad. He's a bad guy. But we don't know yet about Balaam, do we? So we're trying to figure out, is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? Number one, he has some connection with God. But what's going on here? So let's look at his answer. Uh, verses 8 through 14, and it says, And he, that he there is Balaam, said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. So what do you think? Is that a good move, bad move? That's a great move. Because he's, he's, he said, wait a minute, before I come up with anything, I'm going to go to the Lord, just hang on. That's what we should all do when we have problems in our life. Okay, so right now, things are looking good. Verse 9, And God came unto Balaam, and he said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, I got a problem with that. First question I have is, and then you guys realize by now, my brain is just, goes here and it goes there, goes here, it goes there. It's like when I pray, I'm all over the place. When I try to plan stuff, I'm all over the place. I'm, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm spat, I'm, what do you call that? Uh, spastic. Spastic, okay. So I'm reading the story and I'm like, now wait a minute. This, this kind of reminds me of a conversation with God and Adam. Where are you? Do you not think that God knew who these men were? He's just wanting to see what he says. He's wanting to know what Balaam says. And I'm, and I'm like, if, why didn't Balaam go, God, you know what? You know everything. Why are you asking me who these guys are? But he wants to know if Balaam knows who they are. Okay? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, that's what blows my mind. He just starts telling the story. Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, but he goes even farther than telling them who the men are. He tells them the purpose. And he says, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. And do you think that's true? Yeah, they don't 
so. No, I mean, it's me of thought. So how many people do you think are here, guys? Come on, you are you are the, the Bible group in here. A couple million. So yeah, you scatter a couple million out here. I don't. I wonder how, how much land a couple million would take to more fill up. More than more than the twenty acres here. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harrisonville's what five thousand? Yeah. I mean, how big? I mean, if they are all camped out in tents and you had a campfire, I wonder how big that would be. But it was. Imagine it was massive. And so there's about six hundred thousand fighting men here at the time. But that's just fighting men. That doesn't mean old men, young men. It doesn't mean children. It doesn't mean wives. So you add all that up, I'm thinking 600,000 times 2.5. 60 divisions in a modern army. Is it? Okay. So pretty good group of people. So it probably seemed like that. He says, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Oh, what in the world does anybody got any business cursing anybody in the Old Testament? And I have to think about that. Maybe that should be our homework assignment. Is there any, is there any, did God tell any prophet in the Old, in the Old Testament to curse someone? I, I know that there were people that were cursed because of what they did, but just to curse somebody, I, I'd have to go back and study. That's kind of unusual. This is saying, kind of like what Roger was saying, it's just because they're, they're there, he doesn't give any reason why to curse them. Yeah. Because there's so many of them. It, it doesn't say they're fighting them. Yeah. It just says they're in the land, and I'm afraid because of what they did to the other guys. Mm-hmm. It's all a fear tactor. Now, hey, I know who the father of lies and the father of fear is. You know, he says, "Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt with covered the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Preadventure, I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out." Doesn't say anything about smiting them. I think now. Here's what I'm thinking here. I think Balaam's probably doing the same thing I do when I pray and ask God things. Kind of whitewash them a little bit. You guys don't do that, do you? Do you, do you turn your prayers over to they kind of make you look better than maybe you are? Now think about it. <laughs> you don't go to God and go, you know, yeah, I messed up. I, 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 I didn't, I did this, Lord. I'm sorry I did that. Would you please forgive me? He probably don't list everything out and just really, you know, expunge on just how bad you did a job on. Probably, I mean, maybe, maybe you guys do. Uh, maybe I'm a little white. I always, you know, when, when you kind of, uh, tell things you always want to kind of embellish it where you're not so bad. I think that's what this guy's doing. He's. I think every time that Balaam goes to him, he tells him the general idea of what's going on, but he leaves out some of the little details. Like he uh, he wants me to curse him and he wants to drive him out, but I don't think he said anything about it. he wants to wipe him out. Okay. Just, just me. I don't know. He goes, Behold, there's a people come out of Egypt. I'm going to get through this verse. Which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Preadventure, I shall be able to overcome them. And it's kind of funny because he says, I want you to help me so I can do this. I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, Really? No, he didn't say. It. He said, Thou shalt not go with them. <laughs> That's what I have in my note. Really? That's what you're asking me? And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. 
Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Again, Genesis 12, 3. And does God mean that? Yes. When God gave Abraham that promise, it was as good as anything else. I mean, and God has always blessed Israel. And God has always blessed the people that have blessed Israel. That's why the United States has done so good in the last few years. Because when we helped them get the nation going again in 1948, God has blessed the United States because we blessed Israel. That's why it was so worried when some of the events have been coming up in in our past, in our lifetime. I mean, I remember when, uh, uh, I can't remember if it was Yat. What's the guy's name that's the president? Netanyahu. He came to America several years ago and he says, do not do this deal with Iran because it will be our death. And he was begging us. I saw a deal where he may be prime minister again. Okay. And so when we bless Israel, when anybody blesses Israel, God blesses them. And I, I don't care if you're... You know, lost as a goose. If you see that point and you're a person uh, in in government control and any government in the world, if they would just do that, God would bless them. Okay? And he says, And God said to Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land. Okay, guess, I guess since you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, help me out here, <laughs> you need to get home. Uh, for the Lord refuses to give me leave to go with you. Dad said no. Right. But again. Why didn't, he, why didn't he say, God said they're blessed and I'm not gonna take, let you curse them? Again, he whitewashes it again. He says it in a way to not cut any ties. Yeah. He just said, he's not going to let me go with you. Right. Instead of the real reason was because Israel Because is Israel is blessed. Yeah. He just gives him a quick answer like you said. God, Dad says no. Yeah. Okay, well we all know when Dad says no, you can come ask Mom. No, you come and ask him again. You come and ask God again the next day. You know? Yeah, you could ask and then ask Grandma. You know how that works. And you know what? You didn't have to teach that little kid that either, did you? Yep. You know, two years old. Yep. They they already know that. So I mean, again, he whitewashes his answer. He makes it a nice generic answer. He doesn't cut ties. Okay. And the princes of Moab rose up and they went into Balak and they said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Again, another kind of part of the information. He, they, he doesn't come back. And the reason is, they don't know all the information. Balaam did not give them all the information and they did not give the king all the information. Okay? Boy, if, if they'd have had a tape recorder and could have taped all this, it would have solved a lot of issues. Yeah. It's kind of like watching old, uh, any old uh, movie or show... Uh, I don't care if you watch Rock, I watch old shows, Rockford Files, Columbo, um, any of those shows, and it's like, he spend half their time looking for a phone booth to make a call. Yeah. Today we just pull the phone out, you know, and it's like, 
Yeah. And the prince of Moab rose up and they went into Balak and they said, Balaam refuses to come with us, which left the door open and that's why Balak turns around and sends another group. Okay? So, uh, we've looked at the first proposition, we've looked at the answer, and I'm gonna stop because we're out of time and next week we'll, st- we'll start back up again and we'll go through the second uh, proposition and the journey and, and all these things. So, uh, there's a lot here. There's a lot in Cain that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And we can really see Satan behind each one of these stories pushing it. And that's why it's in the book of Jude because he's using it as an example to say don't be like these people because their end is destruction. He even takes him up into the high places. You know what's interesting? When he, when he does come to him, he takes him up into the high places, it says, of Baal. And you're like, uh, historically, it's a, it's a mountaintop. And yet God gives us a little nugget in that and says, it's not just a mountaintop, it's where they worship Baal. And yet you got all the Baal, Balaam, Balak, all that tied together. There's some connection there. So, oh, when he was tempted, did Satan take him up into high places yeah. so I could look at? Okay, yeah, it's uh, there's high high places are are all through the Bible. So Satan and John Denver both are on high top stuff all the time. So the best part of this though is it's like the first portion you covered just today is like, uh, hey, I'll give you fifty bucks if you'll come and curse Israel. Dad says no, so he ups the ante. Okay, how about a hundred bucks? Yeah. <laughs> That's what kills me. Yeah. Just, yeah. So, okay, well, let's pray and we'll get moving. Father in heaven, we come before you today. And Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for, uh, that we can go through your word. We can see the truth in your word, Lord, and that we can even, uh, we can even, uh, enjoy going through this and even see humor and some of this, and yet, Lord, we also know that the terror and the tragedy when people go against Your Word, Lord, and go against Your people. And Lord, I just pray that we would realize that. Realize, I pray we would realize who we are and the message we have and know that there's going to be people against us that will oppose us, that will do all kinds of things against us. But Lord, help us to realize they're really going against against You and what Your Word says. So I pray that You would protect us I pray you give us open doors. I pray that you give us the words to say so when we do meet people that oppose us that uh, our words are not ours, they're yours. So we uh, pray for that. Pray for this week. Give us a good week. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I thought I was going to do an invitation here in a minute, but okay. (laughs) Rocky Mountain High. Well, that's what I'm thinking, Sean.